Bill, thanks for sitting down with us for your latest uh, video update into the goings on at Wraith Rovers and, and in Scottish football. Um, obviously, you put a detailed um, statement on the, in the weekly bulletin on the weekend there, but off the back of that, let's firstly talk about league reconstruction. Uh, I understand there was an indicative vote uh, this morning. What's Wraith Rovers' overall position in that debate? Right, at the moment we haven't heard the result of that, um, but our view really is that this is not the right time uh, to do reconstruction because there's so much confusion around just now and there's been so many different models put forward and, you know, different clubs have got different views. To me, this last few weeks or months now, I think it is, has been a wee bit like being on the ghost train at the Lynx Market. You know, you're in the dark and then suddenly things come at you from the right-hand side, the left-hand side. You've got to juggle them, you've got to consider them, and the board has done that at every meeting we've had in the last few weeks. Um, and this week, we came to a conclusion that this really was not the right time to look at this. Right, okay. And, and in, amongst, in amongst that discussion um, is a suggested start restart date for football of mid-October. Assuming this does happen, um, what's that going to mean for the players and staff of Wraith Rovers in terms of returning to training? And when they return to training, what special arrangement will be had to be in place because of the uh, coronavirus? Right, there's a lot of questions in there, Neil. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I think everything that I say has to be tempered with, it'll depend on government advice and guidance and so on and changes. And any sort of dates that I give just now are maybe plus or seven, plus or minus seven days or 14 days. So our intention at the moment, we've, we think that the first football game that will be played will be in the Betfred Cup right at the beginning of October. Uh, we think around about the 7th. And the first league match, we don't know whether it will be home or away yet, will be on the 17th of October. So that's what we're working towards. And working back from that, um, what we believe will happen is that we'll be able to bring in our players for training round about the 17th of August. And that gives them a good clear run through to the 7th of October of six weeks, which is what the medics are recommending uh, for training. So we're, that's our plan at the moment because we're assuming that whatever happens with reconstruction, we'll be in a league of 10 clubs. At one point it looked like being 14, it's been suggested 16, you just don't know, but we're assuming it's going to be 10. Um, so based on that, it means that we'll have to bring the players back off furlough, obviously they're furloughed until the 31st of July just now, but we could continue them for the first couple of weeks uh, in August. Uh, we would have to bring the management team back though slightly before we start training obviously because we've got signings to do. We still have a number of players who are out of contract on the 31st who were keen to re-sign for next season and I think it's also fair to those players who are not part of John McGlynn's plan for the championship that we tell them maybe in July, uh, maybe as early as possible in July that in a month's time they are going to be freed. It gives them a bit of time to look around, see what they can get, uh, but guaranteed payment uh, certainly to the end of July. So that's the sort of tentative timescales that we've got just now. When we do start playing football, 
it'll be behind closed doors. No, I don't think there's any doubt about that in October. We hope that we might get to a position in November or December where we can allow a number of spectators to come into Starts Park. The figures that have been suggested are maybe 20% of our capacity or 25%. Now, a capacity of just over 8,000 at Starts Park, that would theoretically mean around about 2,000 spectators. But when you look at the layout of the park, the ground, actually with social distancing, if it remains at two metres, it wouldn't be possible to get near that. Uh, if it comes down to one metre, it might be a possibility that we'd get somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 spectators in the ground. Now, we're working towards that as well. Just now, we've got a subcommittee set up to look at that. And we're also looking at getting supplies of face masks, uh, getting supplies of gel and so on. And we've got a very good source for that because we think that when we do go back, there, it'll probably be compulsory to wear face masks. So we're in the preparation stage at the moment, which is a stage further on from where we were certainly a month ago. Right, okay. So um, I asked a lot of questions and in turn you gave a lot of information <laughs> there, so thanks Bill. Um, just picking up on one thing you said that within there, um, closed door games. Indications as to how many, or how many weeks of closed door games? Well, we think all the games in October will be behind closed doors. Right. So that would probably be the group stages of Betfred Cup, the initial group stages anyway, and maybe two home league games, or it might be one home game, one away. We're not certain about that until the fixtures come out. But we think that in October, it's going to be unlikely that there's going to be spectators in the ground. Um, but there will, of course, be uh, access to the games uh, through your good selves and Wraith TV, etc. Yeah. Um, and we're planning all of that as well behind the scenes at the moment. But maybe if I'm optimistic, I would say we might get spectators in in November, December. The pessimistic view would be January. Got you, right, right, okay. Um, so, so moving on from that, um, in your last detailed answer, you mentioned the potential numbers that we could get in here around about the 1500-2000 mark. Um, that leads me on to the next question, which is season tickets. You know, last season we had 982 season ticket holders. Um, we're hoping to have them on sale in August. Is that right? Um, and how? And, and what's that going to mean if you buy a season ticket? And are you guaranteed to get into games? Right. Well, again, there's got to be flexibility in this. I could give you a date just now and say that's when we're going to sell the season tickets, but actually I can't. Right, okay. um, because it depends, again, on the health situation and us coming out of lockdown a wee bit more and more uh, in stages. Um, so our plan at the moment is that as soon as we know how many home games we're going to have in the league and in the Betfred, we're in a position then to be able to tell our supporters, right, that's the number of games that you will be guaranteed and included in that might be a couple of games that are behind closed doors and we'll make arrangements that certainly season ticket holders will have access to those. We're not sure yet whether it's technically possible if you can buy a one-off ticket, uh, just one game, if you just want to see one game, uh, or even if opposing teams' supporters can view them. That's all been worked out, and that's been worked out at national level just now, uh, which is good. The SPFL have got a, a subcommittee 
looking at all the technological issues that there are in that. But we would certainly be able, and I would say it might be three weeks, it might be four, or it might be five weeks' time, we'd be able to put our season tickets on sale and say, right, there's a number of games you'll be guaranteed that you can get into, and there's a guarantee that you'll get free uh, those ones that are televised. Yeah. So that's the best sort of estimate, really, at the moment. Got you right. Yeah. And in terms of those televised games, I mean, there's still things being worked out, but it's still a we're waiting to find out if it's a question of Ray TV televising mm -hmm. those games, or if it's Pixelot, mm -hmm. um, the SPFL system, or a mixture of both. Yeah. Just, um, just for the people that are going to be tuning in, what's your understanding of Pixelot and how that might work oh, on the spot? Why did you have to ask me a technical <laughs> question like that? Right, I'm not a technocrat. My understanding is that the Pixelot camera uh, follows the ball, yes, uh, and so it gives you a different kind of view. Uh, of what Wraith TV do, because sometimes you home in on certain things. Um, we can, I'm told, get access to the Pixelot, and the Wraith TV uh, commentators uh, can add the commentary onto the Pixelot thing. So we might have the Pixelot camera plus mm. the Wraith TV camera. Um, and again, that's been negotiated uh, at national level to, uh, to make sure that that works. I'm told that the quality of the Pixelot camera is not quite up to Sky TV um, mm. you know, standards, but it's a good standard. Yeah. Uh, and given, you know, we've all been watching the Wraith TV reruns of, of matches and it's been good stuff and kept people's interest going. Uh, if we could get somewhere, you know, in between the sort of Wraith TV and the highly professional Sky, um, not saying that Wraith TV isn't highly professional, um, but if we can get something in between that, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it's all, I suppose, just amusing to myself. It's a question of whether Wraith TV's commentary enhances Pixelbox TV coverage. Uh, do I have to comment on that, do no, I? No, you don't, Still, you don't. Right, no. thanks. <laughs> Everybody's got their own view on that. I think, I'll say, I'll say one thing about that. You know, I'm not saying it's not professional, but I think it's quite good to have local commentators who know the club commentating on the games and giving a perspective as supporters, hmm. you know, in what's going on. Um, but you have to be objective, obviously, at the same time. Uh, so if we can get the right mix of that, I think it'll be fine. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yes, and uh, we certainly view ourselves as impartial, mm -hmm. but but, yeah. uh, but dedicated to Wraith Rovers. Anyway, moving away, <laughs> moving on from that, another big uh, talking point recently is the what's been referred to as the James Anderson contribution to the SPFL Trust. Um, that funding is potentially in place for all clubs. Mm -hmm. What's the process for us uh, getting that money and what will it be used for? Right, um, we have to, each club has to fill in an application form uh, because it's by application, it's not automatic. So we've already filed ours actually with the SPFL Trust and it's good that it's the SPFL Trust that are doing it because that gives a community emphasis. And as we are building towards being a very good community squad and team and club, uh, that's helpful to us. Uh, it's got to be COVID-19 related, so we're looking at whether that will cover some of the costs of the masks, gels, um, making sure that this stadium is absolutely clean uh, for football to commence and for spectators to come in. We think there's a whole lot of things in there that we can do. 
which will guarantee that we'll get the grant uh, eventually. Um, it may be, I don't know the, the details yet, if some of the bigger clubs in the Premiership don't apply for it, that we might get a wee bit extra. Um, but at the moment it looks like 50,000 per club and it's, it's a godsend to us. Yeah. The one thing that we don't know yet is what the testing regime is going to be. Just going to ask you. We don't know if we're going to have to test our players twice a week before a match or what. Is it going to be at Starts Park? Who's going to do it? Or is it going to be at some central hub, for example, for all the five clubs? We just need the detail of that to come and that will come in the next few weeks, definitely. Um, but we certainly are in a position where that money would be useful for us for the stadium, but also in community terms. I want to see race women and girls back here. I want to see the community club youngsters, the walking football, the over whatever it is now. 35s. Well, the over 35s are probably over 70s by now um, <laughs> with all this lockdown. But certainly we want all of those back in as soon as we can really realistically get them in. Right, yeah. My final point, my final question, Bill, um, I mean, it always seems to be about money, but um, um, in your bulletin you made mention of the supporters' contributions, mm -hmm. the, crowd the crowdfunding, the Just Giving page and so on and so forth. Um, I did a wee tally up um, last night and we've broken, we've breached the £96,000 mm -hmm. mark now. Another word from you about the impact that's going to have uh, and what your feelings are on it generally. generally. Right. In the circumstances, I think that's an absolutely fantastic sum. Mm. And it will continue to go up. Um, obviously, people are committed to the supporters fund and so on. Uh, and it needs to continue to go up. Because I think, as I said in the programme, I see it as a kind of war chest. Because we're going to have a very difficult five months between August and December, uh, depending on what's happening, because we're going to be paying out wages, full wages. Um, and if we're not going to have many home gates, uh, then you know we're going to lose quite a bit of money over that period. We start off with a war chest, but it'll go down very, very quickly towards December and January. So we've got to manage that very, very carefully. And that's what we're doing. We're keeping an eye on that all, all day, every day, basically. Um, and we're in a good position at the moment, but we mustn't let that slip. Yeah. But the supporters fund, the crowdfunding, the donate a ticket, I, I think we're way ahead, I think I said that in the bulletin, we're way ahead of any other club in Scotland mm -hmm. uh, due to the commitment of our supporters. And that's just a fantastic piece of news, it really is, yeah. given the circumstances that some of them are in. And I should maybe say something about, you know, the reclaiming of some of the season ticket money from last season. The vast majority of people have said, keep it as a donation. That's, again, fantastic. A small number, I believe it's about 18, 19, have said we could do with the money back. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. We're very, very happy with that. Uh, we're making the arrangements for that. But we're all, I'm also reaching out to those people who've said that and saying to them, look, if you really have got difficulties, financial difficulties, get in touch with us. Right? We've got Andy Mill, who's a supporters director. Uh, we've got a supporters liaison officer as well. Margie. Uh, we're getting Margie involved in this. Um, and contact us. Don't be embarrassed. Come and speak to us about how we can help you. And even as, if it's just a delivery of, uh, let's say, the fruit, that the race fruit um, company 
has very generously got involved with us in that. Um, if that's all we can do, that's all we can do. But there might be other things that we can do to help you. And if anybody knows of any of our supporters who are in those sort of situations, then do get in touch with us. And there are pretty easy ways of getting in touch with us. Yeah, those practical offers of help are just sometimes what people need in yeah. times of, of, yeah. of, of stress. Yeah, it might even be that you just need somebody to talk to, you know. Mm. Uh, and while you might not always want to talk to somebody at the Rovers, I'm thinking Davo and Benny here. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to send Davo to anybody's house for a, a two-hour chat or anything like that. Don't worry. Uh, but Davo would do it. That's mm. the good thing about our players as well. They're part of our community as well, and they're up for helping people in the community. So you know, anything like that, then we'd be pleased to hear from them. And we know there are people in very difficult circumstances and you know working with the food bank and various other people uh, we can bring some sort of help to them so i'd like to say that you know yeah uh, it's important finally bill um we're at that stage in the calendar where the season would have ended anyway um we've now got something to look forward to how much did you miss as a supporter how much did you miss the football over the last eight, eight or nine weeks or so? It's been hell. Aye. It really has. Yeah. Uh, I've missed it. For the football on a Saturday afternoon, but the other things that I've regretted is that we didn't have the, the, the player awards evening. Now, mm -hmm. the good job that was done by Wraith TV on that, I mean, everybody's acknowledged that it was fantastic, but it wasn't the same as celebrating, you know, winning a league, being promoted, having all the players there, all the backroom staff, supporters and everybody else, because the atmosphere would have been terrific. And that's one thing that I really did miss, you know, just congratulating the squad. And I'll come back to that one just in a wee minute. Mm. Uh, the other thing I've missed has been, you know, when I'm here at Start Spark on a Saturday, I like to go around and chat to people and uh, the various lounges in the stands and so on. And that sort of social interaction with our supporters, mm. uh, who I value tremendously, uh, I've really missed that bit as well. And coming back to the players, you know, we've missed actually saying thank you to them yeah. uh, for what they achieved. And it was a big achievement. Although other people outside of the club may be saying, oh, you only won it by one point and there should be an asterisk and all that sort of stuff. No. We were determined, and John McGlynn and Smudger were determined, that we were always going to be at least a point ahead of whoever was in second place. And they really put their backs into that, uh, and so did the players, and got us to the position that we ended up in, and that was great. Uh, and so even those players that we might part company with uh, in July or August, uh, you know, they've played a huge part in that. And there's three, if I can mention three, who I know are definitely leaving us. John Baird, mm -hmm. who has been great again for us, and I thought his interview yeah. uh, was terrific. Uh, I didn't know John had that many words in him, actually, to go on for that length of time, but he did brilliantly. Uh, and, I mean, you got the feeling it was coming from the heart, mm -hmm. and that's how he feels. So we wish him well going to Australia. Uh, and starting up his academy, which he's going to be doing. Uh, and no doubt there'll be some good young footballers coming out of that. Yeah. So he's the first one. Ziggy, uh, I'd like to thank, because he had another great season with us. 
you know, for a young boy, and now he's got Fulham to look forward to, a great club to go to, uh, with very good management and coaching staff, and ambitious to get up into the English Premier League. And I think that's a, a really, really good move for Ziggy. Um, he might come back to us at some time, as many of our players do, uh, but we wish him all the best. Uh, and finally, I just want to say a wee word about um, young Jamie Watson. And Jamie's going to Canada on a scholarship. Terrific, great opportunity for him. It's a pity he wasn't able to just break through to be a regular in the squad or in the team uh, this season. He was my first signing when I became chairman. Mm. Uh, so I've got a personal interest in Jamie. Uh, and I'm sure he'll do well uh, in it with his scholarship. And we would welcome him back at Starks Park any time. Uh, Kirkcaldy lad, committed to the Rovers. Um, and who knows, you know, if he matures and improves and so on, I'd like to think that Wraith Rovers will be the first club that he'll contact uh, once his scholarship's over. Great. Well, Bill, just seeing you talking about our, our players, it uh, just reminds us how much we all miss the football. We're dead keen to get back here to see some games, whether it's live streaming or in the flesh. But until that time, I'm going to thank you for your time. Thanks for the information. And I'm sure we'll speak before the games return. Hmm, thanks. Right, there's maybe one postscript I would put. There was one question, I think, which was asked last week by a fan about how we're spending all this money uh, that's coming in. And I would just like to say, well, our, our biggest expenditure is the players' wages and the wages of the staff at Starts Park. That eats up tens of thousands of pounds every month. Mm. And as soon as the furloughing is over, we're going to be faced with that expense and nothing coming in from actually playing football. Um, so that's where most of it is going to go. And certainly the Wraith Supporters Fund, the, all of that will go towards that, no doubt about that. But so will the bulk of the money from crowdfunding and donate a ticket. There are other things that we're going to have to do. Um, we've got to pay bills, of course. We've got electric lights in here. Um, <laughs> And, you know, there's, there's heating, there's, there's water, uh, which is quite a big expense for us. Um, so there's all these utilities that have to be paid for. Uh, and there's, there's other things that we want to do to improve things, uh, really, for spectators and for players, even for referees and assistant referees around the club. Uh, so we will be looking at those things, but the vast bulk, I have to say, will be going on the players' wages. Great. Well, thanks for all that, Bill. And we look forward to speaking to you later. Thank you. Hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Ditto. Thanks. Ditto. And thank you very much for supporting Wraith Rovers.